When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, baseball is not boring in large part because of the guy who's with me right now, Rob Friedman of Pitching Ninja. And, uh, and I just want to use this week, use this time uh, to, to highlight people like Rob who, in this week of uh, thankfulness, Thanksgiving, as someone who has a relative that came over on the Mayflower, uh, whether that's good or bad, I don't know anymore. It got me through, Rob. It got me through kindergarten. It was a lot of street cred. But I just want to say that Rob and Pitching Ninja is really is one of the things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for for this whole cause of baseballs and boring. And we've talked to a million different people and and um, a, a different a lot of angles, a lot of newsworthy angles, a lot of sort of big picture angles. But I just look at it this way: is that because of you guys, Rob, because of you, baseball is better. That's what it comes down to. So thanks. So here I am saying to you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're you're welcome. That's so nice, and that's actually one of the things that I you know that I try to do is I try to communicate the the beauty of the game or the funniness of the game, whatever it is, to fans and stuff they might not have you know they might have missed because I tend to watch almost every game. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it, it's so we we've talked a little bit we talked for the book um which was a great you know i get to know you a little bit and, and the and the the thing that stuck out to me in your story was how how you are a, a perfect example of how mlb has learned the 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 air of their ways i mean there is no better example where and correct me if i'm wrong you were putting up the videos and they said take them down don't you dare and then they realize, wait a second, this is actually a good thing. Let me let us uh, let us embrace you a little bit. Am I wrong with any of that stuff? No, that's literally what happened. And to their credit, I think they realized that they need a bunch of different points of view. They used to think that basically, you know, they can communicate the sport to everybody. Um, and I think they realized that they need a network of people that can communicate in their own different ways. And look at what resonates with fans. So credit to MLB for changing what they did. But yeah, that's exactly what happened. Is mm. is I had got my uh, my Twitter account taken down, and they 
you know, through a week's worth of work actually said, we love what you do. We just wanted to be more on the up and up. So why don't you, you know, be a, a contractor with us and, and help. And I'm like, you know, anything that helps me spread my love of the game and just like pass it down to another generation. I thought that was cool. So they did the right thing. I thought it was great. So with that said, and that was a few years ago, what year was that? Ooh, I don't know. 2000 was it 2018 maybe okay so like so you one thing that you had said in that is that you know the M- mlb said we want it to be on the up and up and now we flash forward to 2022 i mean it's for better or for worse it's the wild west right it's it's and you have a a a structured organization which i think is at the top of the the mountain when it comes to doing exactly what we're saying but there's all kinds of stuff flying around and and not it's not a bad i mean but this is sort of the microcosm of what we're talking about which is hey you know what everybody here are examples of why baseball is really really entertaining and really really good and i do feel you tell me if if you feel the same way i do feel like this past year maybe it took a step forward in that direction. You may be right. I think that, you know, they're happy with the, you know, various voices that they see. Obviously you can't, you know, they'd be unhappy if people were passing off games, like full games and giving their descriptions and all that stuff. What they like is, and what this is the point that I think they understood is that by showing little snippets of stuff that you find amazing and having other fans interested in it, 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 it kind of spreads the interest in the sport that makes more people tune in. So, yeah, I think there's been more folks doing it. Um, I, you know, I don't have an official sign off from MLB saying that they're cool with everybody doing it, but I know also that they understand the tension between cracking down on people and, and having everybody like, you know, take their different angles of different games and different things they might've seen so that more fans, you know, they draw eyeballs to the game. So when when it comes to the, the things that Pitching Ninja does and what you do, um, I think that one of the great things about it for me it's it makes my day every time I see something like when I see the compilation of sliders that you had like the other day like oh my goodness like what's better than a good backdoor slider you nothing you know um, it's it's things like that. But then you morph into like the impact it has had on the actual game. And we've talked a little bit about this. When you have major leaguers like reaching out and talking about this stuff and, and Rob, like I was been in clubhouses where they've had conversations. Oh, did you see this or did you see that? That must be something else for you. Huh? That it's still crazy. And if that ever gets old, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I heard Tyler glass now saying, Oh yeah, when I throw a nasty pitch, I think that that's going to be on pitching ninja, and that's great. I, I interviewed Edwin Diaz yesterday, and he said, "Oh, after every every outing, every appearance I make, I go check pitching ninja and see if my stuff's up there, and it's always cool to see it." And I'm like, you know, you guys are at the top of the game. I mean, Clayton Kershaw mentioned me, which I didn't even know he knew who I was. Um, like all that stuff is still amazing, and to me. What it means is that pitchers were so used to only seeing themselves either if they threw a no hitter or if they gave up a, a a dong. And it was usually that like you give up a bomb, you're on ESPN for giving up a home run. But there was never anything to show like nasty pitches where they mm-hmm. messed up a hitter. And now they get seen and they love it. And it's basically the old ESPN top 10 for pitchers. And I never thought of it that way. 
but it's great to be, you know, have an impact in that way. You know, uh, Robin, another thing is, is that the, so the pitchers, you're right. I mean, the, the highlight of their achievements are, is new to them and it's great to them. And this is, there's, there's nothing bad that is going to come out of you putting up a, a nasty pitch. Another thing that I think it has done is make people understand how insane these pitchers are like not like how insane their pitchers pitches are and how insane this stuff is and how hard it is to hit a baseball all of it it when you break it down when you put up the videos more than at any other time in my existence thanks to you have i understood this is crazy what these guys are able to do to a baseball it, the funny thing is Lindsay Adler who covers the who covered the Yankees um had said you know people think of pitching ninja as a pitching account it's really a hitting account because what it shows is it gives hitters some credit for how hard it is to hit like you have fans that used to yell why did you swing at that and now they say oh yeah i get it and my point generally is if a dude's getting paid millions and millions of dollars and you're sitting on your couch watching him do what he does, he's probably better than you. So <laughs> if he swung at a pitch and you said, why did he swing at that? He probably thought it was something else. He thought it was a fastball that was going to ride back in the zone and it was a slider that broke away or something like that. So my job is to uncover that and to show fans that, hey, this is really tough. Give some credit to the pitchers who are doing this and credit to the hitters when they're successful and stop yelling at them. I mean, it's a tough, tough thing to do. <laughs> what is it this past year? I'm going to ask you, uh, I'll give you the heads up ahead of time. You know, I'm going to ask you sort of like the most insane pitches that you've maybe seen recently. It's, and it's not fair to, to identify a couple because there's a lot of them as we point out. But just to sort of plant that seed. But I want to ask you this about this past year because I talk about how I feel, and maybe it's just because we've been doing this baseballs and boring thing. It's been top of mind for me, but I do feel like there's this, this, this conscious effort of not only the players, not only the fans, everybody, social media to, Hey, everybody, we're here. Baseball is here. It's not the, and forget, push aside that every time they have an all-star game. Oh, you know, the average demographic is 55 years old. Let's push aside that. Okay, let's start looking at this a little bit differently. So, but with all of that said, in this last year, from the pitching perspective, watch, as you said, you watch all these games. What is the thing that jumps out to you about how things changed this last year? I, th I think it's the continued increase in velocity, the increase in command of that velocity. I mean, I, I ran a stat yesterday, and I know everybody said, oh, they're just throwers today. But Last season was ranked 17th out of 103 seasons in the live ball era of the fewest walks per game. Wow. So that shows you they're not just throwers. They throw harder than ever and also are in the zone better than ever. Um, and also the highest strikeout to walk ratio ever in the history of baseball was last season. So you have more strikeouts with fewer walks and the pitchers are the best they've ever been. They've mastered movement too. So now you're seeing bigger sweeping sliders and, and uh, two seamers that run more because we now can study the spin axis of the baseball and say, well, when it spins at this axis, no matter what your release is, if you can get it to spin like this, um, the seams will do the work. 
and the ball will move a certain way. So you're getting extra movement on baseballs that never had happened before. So the the addition of science to pitching um, has made the game just more eye-popping. When you see that movement, fans understand. They see a blitz ball come out of a pitcher's hand. They're like, holy crap, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. And it's really turned into a science, but a beautiful science. Like It's not just geeks. It's actually it has results in great pitches. It's that's a great way to put it. It is a beautiful science, and and you know I remember talking to a, this is a few years ago Brian Bannister, who obviously you know he's a guy that loves this stuff going back to when he was assistant pitching coach for the Red Sox, and he said everything's power. Like you know these kids are being taught power, power, power. Hit a ball farther, throw a ball faster. But I think that now that everyone is settled into that, to your point. They're like, okay, well, you know, Joey across the street is also throwing 95. I have to figure out a way to throw it. But another part of this, too, in a guy who comes on our podcast every week, Rich Hill, you know, I, I honestly, like, at some point I would love to get you guys together because, you know, he's fascinating when he talks, not only with his pitches, but when he talks about this stuff, a guy who throws 88 miles an hour, fastball in this day and age of throwing harder than ever and and also and correct me if i'm wrong i feel like he was sort of at the precipice of and this goes back to maybe 2015 of the big curve the 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 return of the big curve right so when you watch a guy like that pitch that must be just as unique as you know emmanuel class a throwing 101 you know two seamers or whatever it is I totally agree with you, and I love the variety of what it takes to succeed. And 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 Rich Hill or Dick Mountain, however you want to call him, yeah. is uh, is one of the all time greats at that. As far as he'll he'll change up his mechanics, he'll change his arm slots. He has a monster breaking ball. He also can throw that breaking ball up in the zone. I've interviewed him um, before, and he mentioned that he sees the future being more elevated breaking balls, especially in roboumps, uh, in the era of roboumps where it's going to be in the zone, but it's not going to look like your traditional breaking ball where everyone's taught to throw it down. You're going to clip the top of the zone with it, and it's still a strike because it's in the zone. So, uh, yeah, I love watching that. I think he's a character. His intensity when he pitches, but also some parts comedy, some parts intensity, he is a classic. And I think the differentiation of all those pitchers, like you know pitchers are throwing harder. Their fastballs are harder, but they're throwing that fastball less often. Because hitters have to, what it does is, is it decreases your reaction time so that it makes more off-speed pitches more valuable. If you can throw a big breaking or a hard breaking ball that looks like your fastball and a hitter has to react right away, it makes it really tough. And that's so much fun. And this cat and mouse game of hitting and pitching. And I said to him, I said, listen, you go to a high school tryout right now, you might not be invited back. Because you know how it is. I mean, if you don't throw, we we have to check you off. You have to throw ninety. But but you know, it's it's it'll be interesting to see if the amateurs value what we're talking about, value what he's talking about, what you're talking about about the big breaking ball, the changeups, and all of this. Instead of just getting out the radar gun and saying, "Here, let's get out the other uh, uh, ways to measure things." And say, what's the spin rate? I mean, that's going to be interesting. I don't know if you know, you know, you sports and you know the amateurs. I mean, is that a possibility, you think? It, it definitely is. And I think the bigger thing is, and you hit on it when you were just saying you, things you can measure. 
I think one of the issues we have, and this is going to change at some point, and it's a metric that I tried to break down, and I still think there's room to go on it, but measuring deception is something we we give short we we don't give credit to the mental game and deception even though we know these things exist because we don't measure it there's no way to measure mental toughness or ability to reset after a pitch you know it when you see it Hmm. same thing with deception we know a pitcher's deceptive because hitters come back and saying i didn't pick up that ball christian javier's fastball for example invisible we do know some of the metrics around that but is it about hiding the baseball? Is it about something unique in your windup that makes the, the hitter not pick it up? Is it about your your angle that you're releasing the pitch? Is it a combination? Is it just your intensity that the hitter's picking up? I don't know what it is, but I think we can look at similar pitches and seeing why one has a better result than others and, and maybe start attributing it to deception and then figuring out where in the windup or where in the, the delivery that deception took place so we can then copy it in some ways but because we can't measure it it's not given the credit it deserves and i I, you know so i think there's still there's probably a money ball aspect of it if you can find those gaps um so high school coaches should still look in it and you never know in high school when you have a a freshman where he ends up i had a freshman start when i was coaching high school started i think he was throwing 70 ended up getting a baseball scholarship throwing 90. So you just don't know. And you got to give these guys chances and figure out what makes them tick. There's not one size fits all in pitching. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that you got, you, you are doing and pitching engines doing is, is doing exactly that. And, and I want to go back to the changes of this year, the conversations in the clubhouse, the difference in the uh, using seams, um, and I, I may have talked to you about this. I remember a, a guy that I really enjoyed talking to when I was covering the Red Sox this year was Austin Davis, who's now with the Houston Astros, which, by the way, I don't think is an accident. He's with the Houston Astros or landed with the Minnesota Twins. Um, so he's a very thoughtful guy. And he talked about um, the seams, about how pitchers this year were throwing more horizontal sliders than ever before because of the seams of the baseball. And then we got into, you know, the the Sergio Romo's Whirly and and you know Tinder Hauk, how he changed like what was this unbelievable slider. He went to it and then he went back to it. But also but d- what I'm saying is that did you see that? Did you see that this year where you had this the evolution of this slider of being sort of this like this more of a horizontal, maybe because of the seams. Absolutely. It's all about basically throwing out two seam sliders versus what we used to do is more four seam sliders. And this, this concept, um, Barton Smith, who is a, a, uh, aerospace engineering professor at Utah state came up with this concept in a paper that he was presenting about why a two seamer might move. And I was one who found him. Like I found, I've, because I'm just ridiculous about tracking these things down. I was looking, I was researching stuff myself. And I said, this guy's giving a report, a, a presentation on this. Let me contact him. So I contacted him, got him on Twitter. Later on, we started sharing ideas and I started tweeting it out. And I'm like, some team is going to pick him up. And some team did pick him up to work with them. 
on developing these pitches because there's more than that. It's more than just like it's more than just the the whirly that we know, the big sweeper. There's other things you can do. And basically it makes the baseball act like a you can make the baseball act like it has a scuff on it. You can do a bunch of different things just by changing the seam orientation of the ball. And it's not a one size fits all thing because everybody releases it differently. So teams have captured that. They have slowed it down with their edutronic cameras and looked at how this works and what the right access is to get the optimal movement using TrackMan also, um, Hawkeye cameras, everything that they have. So that's what I mean by taking the science of it. It's literally science. It's stuff that baseball has been played for how many years? And we just found this out in the last couple of years that seems could do that um, for baseball because it basically it acts like there's a weight coming off the ball. Like you think of a, a boat and how you can change it with a rudder. It's basically the same thing with the seams and the way it rotates. It's created the air hits it and it's creating a wake behind the ball that makes the ball move differently. Everybody else, everybody used to think of it more like a physics thing, like a mag all Magnus effect. Now it's more of a aerospace engineering thing, like a plane, a literal plane with you know wings and flaps and everything. So you can do similar things with a baseball. Who would have thought it? It's so cool. It all goes back when you're talking. All I can think of is Joe Necro throwing the file, the the, the uh, nail filer out of his pocket. But it was the same sort of idea. Every time we talked about, you know, you know, using something on a ball, like you said, it's it acts the same way. It's just using what actually, and you know, it's not getting into um, the sticky stuff. Which, which I, I do want to ask you about your perception of this, of the sticky stuff dynamic. Um, because I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that when it happened, it was all a big hullabaloo. I have to, we have Garrett Richards saying, I have to learn a change up tomorrow. You know? And because change guys who throw change ups, they don't want it to stick to their hand or whatever. But what was your sort of vision? Were you watching all these games, do you think that it went away? Do you think that? pitchers found a alternative to it um certainly you know i don't think the umpires I, like a lot of things in baseball the umpires sort of they went from giving guys uh basically you know full body massages to oh here you know here oh that's good what's your perception of that i think it did go i think the the actual sticky stuff went away i don't think pitchers are going to risk doing it too many eyes on them it's too much. Once they decided to really crack down on it, then it became serious. I mean, before it was the Wild West. You can do what you want to do. No one really cared that much. Um, and then everybody was using various different things. At this point, the one thing that pitchers are doing um, is using sweat and rosin to make it a little stickier. Under MLB rules, you can use it. There's a different kind of rosin. Right. They have that choice. Rosin. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if you use that and you use sweat that activates the rosin and makes it a little stickier, tackier, so you can do something with it, the spin rates haven't dropped like you thought it would. But it's also why you see th what fans view as fishy stuff, like pitchers going to their hair and pitchers going to different, you know, their wrist or whatever it is. It's not to grab sticky stuff. It's to grab sweat that's not a foreign substance mm -hmm. that then you can, you know, use with the rosin to make it a little stickier. And you've seen pitchers say that actually they will, they'll say, Hey, you can check me. It's just sweat. And it was like Karen check had his hair, hair, uh, right. Checked and stuff. Yep. So he's not using anything other than that. Right. Okay. That's good perspective. And, um, so now I want to ask you before I get to the, your, your most eye popping pitches of, uh, of the year, 
um because you have a great on your on the twitter account on the social medias i love it like you said i wake up every day it makes my day it brings a smile to my face and you've been going through a, a lot of the highlights from the past year but before i do that i want to ask you this for the people for when we go into 2023 is there a pitcher that you say hey everybody watch this guy i mean with class a it was it was i remember Guys in the clubhouse, they were look at the TV and like, did you see what this guy just did? He, th- you know, he threw a hundred mile an hour two speed. That's nuts! That's nuts! And nobody really knew of him then. Having watched all these games and and seeing all these guys and being on on, on you know the precipice of all this stuff, is there a guy or guys that you say, hey, this is the guy we're going to be talking. This pitch is what we're going to be talking about next year. Yeah, as far as a particular pitch, that's a great question. The Class A thing is a great point because I actually literally got contacted in the middle of a game by a pitcher on the opposing team who said, I've never seen anything like this guy. He's throwing 103-mile-an-hour cutters. You have to get him. And I'm like, okay. And it, I can't say the pitcher's name, but it was literally during the game that he said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so pitchers were that impressed. The guys that I consider that I think will have breakout years type of guys or are, are, – uh, like I don't, I think Hunter Green, when he came up um, this year, people were like, once he gave up a few hits, they just tur- tuned him out and said, "All right, you know, he's going to be a washout because he just throws hard and they can hit his fastball." If you saw what he did after that um, in the second half of the year, in the last few months, he was on fire. So I don't think people should be like, I think he he is a potential breakout next year. Um, I thought, I mean, not necessarily a breakout, but a uh, Tanner Houck having him full full season, mm-hmm. his stuff is nasty, and I'd love to see more of that. Um, Graham Ashcraft for the Reds as well has a hundred. He's a starter that throws regularly a hundred mile an hour cutter. Nobody should ever get used to a hundred mile an hour cutter. That's not a thing that people should be comfortable with. Um, but could he turn into a Corbin Burns type pitcher? He needs more command. He needs to figure out how to use these pitches at that level. But I view him as a guy that is a potential breakout as well. I mean, the Reds have a few. Nick Lodolo, too, who who throws a wicked sweeping breaking ball that probably got more swings at pitches behind a hitter that I've seen all season. So he is one of those guys that I would keep an eye on as well. He had a lot of Ks, but I think because you pitch for the Reds, you don't get a lot of credit for it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's he's kind of nasty. Do, did, um, do front office guys ever get in touch with you? Because if they don't, they should. Yeah, occasionally. So um, there was a guy last week who got signed because I tweeted him out, which was awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he was a pitcher in the Frontier League throwing 100 and he was closer of the year two years. He had no offers. And I started DMing him. He tagged me in something. I'm like, dude, what is up with this? He's like, I don't have any idea. And he had nobody contact him. I tweeted him out. 23 major league teams reached out to him and some independent league teams as well, and foreign teams. He ended up signing with the Cardinals. And it just shows that there's still pitchers that fall through the cracks, and you need somebody. So that's basically front office guys and scouts then looking at my account going, wait a second, I got to get on it. And you get a feeding frenzy because, you know, a lot of times they can sit back and be at a game and go, like, I'll sign this guy if he, you know, let me see some more of them. And you delay and you look for reasons not to sign him. But if you know everybody's zeroing in on a guy, and you don't bring him to your team or don't at least try to you know say hey i have someone for you it's on you you're going to look bad so it may it puts the competition in it and makes it more on the scout side and the front office side versus the players 
having, you know, it gives the players a little more control. That's a, another perfect example of why, you know, your work is so important and so awesome in, in our world uh, of baseball. So last thing, Rob, is, is like I said, and, and I, I normally this uh, this might be a difficult one because, like you said, you so many pitches, so many pitches, so, such a long season. But you did go through the exercise. You have been going through the exercise of looking at rating all these pitches. Give me like one or two that you're like, that's my favorite one right there. Yeah, it's hard. So Alex Lang had a 98-mile-an-hour front door two-seamer that was insane. I think it was the Gallo, and it looked like it was going to hit Gallo in the rib cage. It ended up middle-middle. And he's jumping out of the way at a 90, like I said, 98 mile an hour Greg Maddox two seamer, basically. And it was, that was disgusting. Um, Scott Efros had a series of pitches where there were two seamers that uh, they ran 26 to 30 inches. And it was a little bit of the wind having something to do with it. But when you see a two seamer run 30 inches, you know, home plate, you know, talking about 17 inches, this is like, you know, almost two home plates worth of movement. And one of them actually hit. Um, Alfaro on a swing and miss in the thigh. <laughs> so that's kind of tough to do in the middle of the thigh. Um, there were slider. You had, uh, you had Yancy Almonte throw a slider. That was a nutmeg slider went through, uh, Herrera's legs. That was kind of sick. There's a lot of them. I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy Herget, who I called the human, human glitch threw a curveball that hit a hitter square in the middle of the thigh too. I think it's Mejia on a swing and miss. So that's, I love stuff like that. And I think, you know, a little, a little comedy when it hits a batter on a swing, oh, yeah, but it's also course. a nasty pitch. So, yeah, that's that's fun stuff. Who's your favorite changeup? Devin Williams, and okay. I don't think it's okay. even debated. Like, I think he's got the best changeup, maybe of all time, and I don't say that lightly because Pedro has the best changeup of any starter of all time. Mm-hmm. But Devin Williams has a, a changeup that can hit over, you know, three thousand RPMs, which is insane it's not a low spin rate change it's a high spin rate change he spins it faster than a slider basically than most pitcher sliders but it goes the you know it's like a lefty slider coming out of his hands it's nasty yeah so that's i love the reason i ask i love it i love i like i love the fact that a pitcher can throw a slower pitch and the hitter can know it's coming and still they can't time it up and they can't hit it i mean there's something about that Changeups are changeups may be my favorite pitch to watch. It's hard to say on any given day, but the idea, I mean, back in the day, watching Pedro throw where he used his changeup like it was almost like an FU pitch. Like, like I'm going to make you look stupid. I'm going to emasculate you with my changeup. Some people do it with fastballs. I'm doing it with my changeup, and you're going to spin around in a batter's box, and I'm going to laugh at you. <laughs> that I love. I love taking the hitter's aggression against them and using it intentionally with that fierceness that I used to pitch with, too. You know, that that's what I love, the gamesmanship between a pitcher and a hitter. That's what the sport's about. Yeah, it's it really is. And we we've in a couple podcasts now, Rob, we've brought up, we've we talked about why baseball is so awesome. There's so many reasons. And and one of them it keeps coming back to is that you have the conversation as it's unfolding, and then you have the action, right? And I use the Bryce Harper at bat, where you have the ultimate result, which is the guy, the star player hitting the home run with a crowd reaction. But how about the pitcher's strategy leading into it and the hitter's strategy leading into it? Everything was there, right? Everything was there. It's great. And and again, as a pitching guy, I love that moment. Like I don't I love baseball and I love the competition. To me, it's like a a chess match or a boxing match, or it's a 
it's a great competition one-on-one at that point between a pitcher and a hitter. Obviously, you have teammates behind you and all that. But in the end, pitcher has the baseball. The hitter's trying to hit it. I view the pitcher as being on offense um, because the pitcher has the ball and the hitter's the counterpuncher. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, if the hitter wins, tip your cap. If the pitcher wins, you know that's awesome. But there's no better thing in sports than that moment. Like that, I think... The one reason why I'm not a I don't dislike the three true outcome thing where you have, you know, a, a pitcher fighting against the hitter, a hit, a K or a walk is it's a great matchup. Like I think that's what fans should focus on. The pitcher's the center of attention till he delivers the ball. Then the hitter's the center of attention as he swings or decides to take a pitch. And it's just a beautiful second worth of action happens multiple times in a game that I think fans should enjoy in the way that they want to enjoy it. Boy, that was good. That was, that was Eduardo Perez gave us four good minutes on why baseball's office. Awesome. That's not, that's not far off, Rob. I, pr- I appreciate it. I just want to <laughs> thank you again. Really. Thank you for taking this time, but thank you for all the work that you're doing and uh, continue to do pitching ninja. So um, yeah, it's always awesome to talk to you. Well, thanks for all your work in the, on this book. This is going to be fantastic. And Anything that shines a light on why this game is great and maybe changes a few minds along the way is always a good thing. Yeah, it'll be good. And, and like you said, like the you uh you you'll have to be part of the book signing since you're in it. So, so there you go. Oh, absolutely, I love right. signing stuff. All right, thanks, bro. <laughs> Thank thanks. you.